bless you all this evening. Hope you all come expecting. Amen. Can we sing the goodness of God? I love you, Lord. Oh, for your mercy never fails me. And all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my
Hallelujah. Amen. Our God is tremendous. Just before we go to prayer, can we sing How Great Thou Art? How Great Thou Art. We just have a prayer request for our sister, Helen Billisberger. We just uh, pray that God will strengthen her and be with the family. Brother Andrew, could I have you open up the service in a word of prayer? We'll sing a few verses and, of course. Oh, Lord, my God. testimony from our family. Uh, my mom, as some of you know, was afflicted a couple weeks ago ser- very seriously with a lot of swelling and pain from uh, just a health issue she's been going through, but um, rendered her pretty pretty helpless just on her back for a couple weeks. Um, and we were praying and God came through and the swelling has gone back down and uh, we're thankful for that because she's able to be in church most of all. Um, and 
we're just looking forward to a, a complete restoration, whether that would be a healing, as we all would, would love, but um, whether it takes a doctor, we know that the, there's been many things that have come specifically even from this trial that it seems the Lord has opened the door for. So um, we just thank you all for your prayers. Let's just pray tonight. Truly, Lord Jesus, tonight, we can say how great thou art, Lord Jesus. Lord, not because you answer, Lord, when we call you, not just because we can reach out to you, Lord Jesus, but truly because you are a great God, Lord Jesus. Just think, Lord. The God of everything. The God that rolled stars off of his fingertips, Lord. The God that drew up this whole salvation plan, Lord. The God, as we've been hearing, Lord, that wanted fellowship. The God that couldn't be alone. The God that didn't just want angels to worship him. Lord, you thought of us. Lord Jesus, you, you had it all, Lord Jesus. You had the worship, Lord. You had angels, millions of them, billions of them crying, holy, holy. But Lord, your prophet came in this generation and said that God wanted a family. <laughs> Lord Jesus, you wanted a family, Lord. <laughs> you wanted attributes to worship you. You wanted children that would reach out to you. You wanted children to walk with, Lord Jesus. You wanted a family, Lord Jesus, that you could call your own, Lord Jesus. Lord, and furthermore, you wanted a wife, Lord. You wanted a bride. Lord, saw down through time, Lord, this little space of time, Lord Jesus, that all these mortal beings know, Lord Jesus, but you looked down and said, I will have a family. I will have a bride. She will be mine, and I will reign with her for eternity. <laughs> Jesus, oh God, oh Jesus, here we are, Lord Jesus. Here we are, Lord Jesus, worshiping you, telling you that we love you, Lord Jesus telling you, Lord God, that you are husband, Lord. You are king. You are, Lord Jesus, everything to us, Lord God. You are, Lord Jesus, our savior, our redeemer, Lord Jesus. Truly the great emancipator, Lord Jesus. Lord, the great one who paid the price for our sin, Lord. We came into this world so helpless, Lord Jesus. Lord, yet you saw us, Lord, and you came, Lord, and died for us. You were slain before time ever began in God's mind, Lord. And you said, I will have that wife. I will have that bride. Lord, and all we can do is give our lives to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, and tell you that we love you, Lord. And it's not by our own merits. It's not by our own doing, Lord, but it's by your grace, Lord. It's by your grace, Lord, and your tender mercy, Lord, that we can stand here, Lord Jesus, tonight. In the midst of such a dark world, Lord, it truly seems that every day it gets worse and worse, Lord. It doesn't matter if it's a news headline or whatever else, Lord, it's, it's just so dark, Lord God. 
but Lord, I'm so thankful for light tonight. I'm so thankful, Lord, for the truth, Lord, that I don't have to wander around, Lord, in darkness. We don't have to wonder, Lord Jesus, what tomorrow holds. We know that you hold tomorrow, Lord Jesus. Lord, we love you, Lord Jesus. From our hearts, we love you, Lord. Our desire is to be more like you, Lord Jesus. Lord, every day, Lord Jesus, to be more like you. I pray you'd forgive us where we fall short, Lord Jesus. Forgive us where we're slack, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus, to tighten up, Lord, our armor, Lord, and go forth in your name, Lord Jesus. Tonight we remember Sister Helen, Lord. Many other needs represented here, Lord Jesus. Lord, your word says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver them out of them all, Lord. And we believe your word tonight, Lord. That's why we're here, Lord. We're here saying that we believe your word, Lord Jesus, because your word also says, ask anything in my name, believing and don't doubt and ye shall have it. Lord, and we ask tonight, Lord, for every need represented here, Lord body, spirit, and soul, Lord. You see them all. I pray that you would touch them, Lord. Lord, I pray that you drop down the faith into every heart, Lord, that is needed to receive you, Lord, and take you at your word, and to take hold of the promise, Lord Jesus, and to claim it and walk in their deliverance, Lord. Lord, for the man of God who will come tonight, Lord, I know he's humbly laid before you, Lord, as a man. Lord Jesus, with nothing of his own, Lord, to say, but just desiring that he could find one or two words from you, Lord, to speak through him. Lord, you're the same God today that took a couple loaves, Lord, a couple fish, and broke them and fed 5,000, Lord Jesus. And you're the same God that can take a couple words tonight and feed every hungry soul here, Lord Jesus. Any soul that might be tuned in on the internet or the streaming, Lord Jesus. Lord, you can feed each one, Lord God. Lord, if there is a lost person here tonight, Lord, or one that doesn't know you, I pray you touch their heart, Lord God. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come, Lord, and minister to them, Lord, and deal with them and bring them to a repentance, Lord, and bring them to a face-to-face -face encounter with you, Lord, where they will never be the same. We love you, Lord, tonight. We are so thankful, Lord, to be your children, to be your bride, and ask you to come tonight and take full control. We commit all things to your hands. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Brother Josh McKenna has a special for us. Right? Sam, Sam, if you could get ready. Um, we just want to welcome our brother Stephen and Sister Lillian Myers from up north. God bless you guys for joining us this evening. Amen. Also a reminder that there is a BCA Christmas concert tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Just as Brother Josh or Brother Samuel comes, can we sing uh, When I Think About the Lord? When I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me. 
you saints. Uh, tonight I felt inspired to try something new. I'm going to sing uh, the love of God but in French. So please bear with me. L'amour des dieux de loin surpasse ses Yeah. 
Tim comes. I wonder if we can just sing that chorus. Oh, the love of God, how rich or pure. Why don't we stand? Oh, love of God, how rich and pure. How
Amen. How wonderful is the love of God. We're so glad for that this evening and glad to be together here with you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're approaching the Christmas season. I guess we're in the middle of the Christmas season. I'm not sure when it starts, after Thanksgiving or after Halloween or somewhere, how far it goes back after the long weekend in July or whatever. You know, everybody has a different idea of Christmas, but we're glad that we have the real idea of Christmas in the Word of God. That's what's most important to us. It's not about a lot of things that the world thinks it's about. But you know, the impact of this gospel that the whole world recognizes Christmas. They may not understand it, but they are forced to acknowledge it. God has done a great thing. God so loved the world, the love of God, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I hope we never tire of that scripture. Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation chapter 19. I want to speak a Christmas message tonight. This will probably be my last message this year. Uh, according to my calculations, I don't know, Brother Daniel, if it's always according to Brother Tom's calculations. Sometimes he can invite you at the last minute, as we heard last Wednesday. And I want you to know, he, he invited you on Sunday to preach on Wednesday. I, I really wish I had that much notice, you know. Amen. <laughs> he thought I was going to get him on, in Seattle on Sunday, but I'll wait until you come here. <laughs> it's good to have you. Brother Daniel, I want to bring greetings from the church down there. Brother David, the pastor there. What is the name of the fellowship? Anchor of Life Fellowship in Seattle. And uh, uh, just to say, it's the bride of Jesus Christ. Amen. And Brother Mahmoud was back from Florida and sends his greetings, and the believers there send their greetings. So greetings from the church in Seattle. Amen. Also, good to see the saints from Hudson Hope here. Brother Steve and Sister Lillian, dear friends of ours, God bless you, my dear brother and sister. It's good for you to be here, good for us to have you here, and it's good for the Lord Jesus Christ to be here. We're thankful for that. Amen. Let's bow our heads together in a word of prayer. If you have a need, why don't you just hold that before the Lord? Heavenly Father, every time of year, at this time of year, the mind of men begin to think about that great sovereign act that you did to send your only begotten Son into the world, that he might be the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And Lord, You've opened our eyes that we see it wasn't at this time of year. This is more ceremony than reality as far as this time of the year goes, Father. But yet we believe he came. And Lord, we are thankful for all that that means to us. And even as we turn back the pages of your word tonight, Father, you know my heart. I feel like I haven't studied enough. I feel like I haven't prayed enough. But Lord... I guess if I could say, when I've preached enough, let me get out of the pulpit when I ought to, Lord. For it's not the words of a man, but it's the words of God. Lord, these words are eternal. Heavens and earth will pass away, but your word will never fail, Lord. 
As we come before you humbly this evening, we recognize, Lord, it's you that we want to see. As the songwriter said, it's Jesus we really want to see. When we come together in fellowship like this, Lord, we don't come just to hear some nice music, though the music is nice. We don't come just to hear sing some nice songs, though we love to sing your praises, Lord. But we come together, Lord, that you might come by our way, that we might touch the hem of your garment, that we might receive virtue from you, that, Lord, we might present our needs before you, for we are a needy people. Lord, that we might lay our burdens down and cast our cares upon you, knowing, Father, that you care for us, you love us, and that's why the original Christmas happened when it did, because you loved us. And we thank you for it, Lord, and we ask now that as we speak of these things that you'll just be with us, bless the service, take it the direction you want it to go in, in Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen, amen. I just began to think of a thought, I made a statement in Seattle and I just began to think and meditate on that. Over the course of the last few days, I was originally thinking of going a different direction the next time I spoke, which ended up being tonight, uh, carrying on of the subject of the, uh, the example ruler and character. And I, I want to speak one day, if the Lord's willing, on righteous judgment, but uh, uh, if the Lord is willing. But we'll kind of take a little bit of a detour tonight in Revelation chapter 19. As we read this, and I was pondering these words here. Uh, I, I thought, you know, this scene that is described here must have really been what the Jews were looking for when they were looking for the Messiah. You know, Brother Branham talks about how that the, the heavens would open and a corridor would be let down and the Messiah would come down in all of his glory and here it describes it in Revelation chapter 19. This is what they were looking for, but they got a babe in a manger. And let's read here in verse 11 of chapter 19. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness does he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the, treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Now we find many wonderful things in this scripture here. Jesus coming on a white horse with a sword, the sword of his mouth with armies following behind him. And as they, they learned of the coming Messiah in Israel before 
that first Christmas time, if you allow me to call it that, how that they, they were expecting this kind of a coming of the Messiah, a mighty conqueror riding upon a white horse with armies coming behind him to throw off the yoke of the Roman oppression and to restore the kingdom of Israel. Even the disciples asked him, will you at this time restore the kingdom? And, and they had a desire and they had because they had been taught uh, these things. And I just want to say, because of the things that they had been taught, because of their religious ideas, they were missing his coming. It, had, it wasn't that they weren't religious people. It wasn't that they weren't sincere in many ways. It wasn't that they weren't desirous of him to come. But because they had been taught he would come a certain way, they, they had been taught that he would do a certain something, they were under a certain expectation, it created a false expectation amongst them. So when the wise men came in Matthew chapter 2 to Herod, the king over there in Israel, and, and it says that, that uh, the wise men came saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And the Bible says, in Herod, When Herod heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all of the chief priests and scribes, he demanded where Christ should be born. We know that he had another alternative. Because he recognized that if this was the promised Messiah that was born king of the Jews, then he was in the wrong place. He was going to lose his throne. He was, he was in that mindset that this one that is coming will depose me. And so he wanted to know where was he born and when was he born. And so the, the, the wise men, of course, this was two years after the fact that they had seen his star. And so they had come from the east two years journey. And now Jesus was about two years old because we know that Herod, when he sent to slay the children, as I think Michael touched on it last time he spoke, there was a crying in Ramah, how that, that uh, they cried for their children because that Herod sent in the soldiers to kill all the toddlers in the city. Because after Jesus was born, they had lingered in Bethlehem. They had really waited for further instructions. There was nobody worshiping Jesus. Two years old. The Word had come amongst them. You know, his name in Revelation 19 was the Word of God. But he was the Word of God in the book of Matthew. Amen. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. That was a spoken word body of Jesus Christ, and they were missing it. It was the only begotten Son of God. It was the virgin-born Son of God. It was the fulfillment of Isaiah 9-6. It was the bringing to pass of a miracle, a miracle. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and they weren't catching it. But now the wise men came from a foreign land and say, we saw the sign. He's here. Where is he? And Herod recognized, I don't know. I don't know. I just want to say this is kind of, I want you to say, real, I want you to realize we're not speaking about the coming of Christ 2,000 years ago, but we're also speaking of his coming right now. The world is missing his coming in this day because they have a certain expectation of what the coming of the Lord will be. 
And because of false teaching, because of religious ideas, really because of Satan setting up his kingdom, that this world has been blinded to the reality that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Bible says in Luke chapter 2, she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger. For there was no room in the inn. For unto you, the angel said to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you, not a white horse, not armies following him, not uh, his vesture dipped in blood, not a name written on his thigh and on his side. This will be a sign to you in this hour. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them. And I'll add my words to it, but they sounded like crazy people. We were just out in the field with the sheep, and we saw angels. No, we weren't smoking anything. No, we weren't drinking. We were tending the flocks. And while we were tending the flocks, the whole sky became bright with light. And angels appeared and told us he'd be in the city. And we found him there. And this is the Messiah. And he's there in Bethlehem. And how many believed? Nobody. Jesus took him into the, or Jesus, Mary took Jesus a few days after that into the temple to have him circumcised on the eighth day, which was the custom. And of all the people as the great lineup of women, Brother Branham describes it, there was a great lineup of women there and, and get waiting for the circumcision uh, ceremony. And, and as they were waiting there, they, they perhaps snickered or said some words about Mary. We've heard about this girl. She's pregnant by some Roman soldier. You know, this baby is not really Joseph's baby, and it wasn't Joseph's baby. And this, this baby is, is somebody else's, and they couldn't understand it, but God was doing something unusual. And along came Simeon down the line, and who had been told by the Holy Spirit, you'll not pass away till you see the Messiah, till you see the Christ. And as he come down, led of the Spirit, he took the baby up in his arms. Hope this is okay. Brother Tom, if I trample on your Christmas Day service, forgive me. <laughs> I'll cover all of it. You can, you can hit it hard. <laughs> but there he was, rejoicing. Lord, let your servant depart in peace. Mine eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. Now think about that. He recognized the word for his day. And he says, Lord, this is what I've wanted to see. Let me now depart in peace. I wonder if that's our attitude today. Come on, saints, you're awful quiet tonight. I wonder if that's our attitude today. Lord, I found the message of the hour. Praise be to God. Lord, it's wonderful the things that I've seen. Lord, it's marvelous the things that I get to partake of. Oh, God, I don't know why everybody doesn't believe this. I don't understand why everybody doesn't worship at his feet. I don't understand why everybody isn't happy to hear my testimony. But, Lord, I'm happy. Amen. Amen. Let your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You know that, that others came too. Anna in the temple 
He's still the word today. We don't want to be guilty like the Jews of being ignorant of the coming of Jesus. We don't want to look for it in a certain way and miss it, what he's really doing. Sometimes we want to, we want him to come with, with great power into our lives. and We always want that we, because he is full of power. We know that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is with fire. And we expect these kind of things, but sometimes we expect him to come and take us as a great conqueror and solve every problem so that we'll never have a problem again. But that's not how he comes. Because if he overcame everything in our lives, then you could never be an overcomer. We're called to be overcomers. We're called to take a hold of the Word of God. We're called to that He might be, as we sing the song, let the Word be born in the manger of our hearts. And as He was, so are we. He was made perfect by the things that He suffered, and so are we made perfect in who we are by the things that we go through as sons and daughters of God. But one thing He comes... As 1 John 3 says, this, for this purpose was the Son of God, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. It's the same today, it's the same yesterday, and it's the same tomorrow. Brother Brown, in the Feast of the Trumpets, speaking about Revelation 19. Are you still with me this evening? All right. Revelation 19, he says, The next time the church is heard, she comes also not exactly upon horses, but the Bible said he was on a white horse, and the host of heaven was following him upon white horses. That's right. While this group down here has got 2,000 bound at the river Euphrates, and has been bound for 2,000 years, also that church has bound the Holy Ghost for nearly 2,000 years. Under martyrdom back there and under the church ages, it's been bound, not at the river Euphrates, but at the door of creeds and dogmas. See, that's why Jesus said he could not do many mighty works among them because of their unbelief. Their ideas of who Jesus was. You know, is this not the son of Joseph and Mary? Is this not this one and is not this one that comes from this town and all of these things that we've heard about these things? You know, it's the same in this day. You know, you have in your hands the creative power of the message of God. The fullness of the word of God revealed in our day. The day when the seventh angel is sounded and the mystery of God is finished and that puts within our hands the righteous work of God that we might overcome all things. Praise be to God, that within this message lies everything that you have need of to destroy the works of the devil because the message is Christ. Amen. He says, so he says it's not bound at the river Euphrates, but at the door of creeds and dogmas, false teaching, that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit can't work in the church because of man-made systems. 
But then he doesn't stop there. He says, but she's going to be liberated. Amen. Amen. She's coming back. That's what the Bible said. And those two meet one another on the battlegrounds. Lucifer and Michael again, like at the beginning. Amen. We're in a battle. Oh, we're in a battle. Praise the Lord. It's not a battle, but, you know, because we know we're on the winning side. We don't walk in this battle as though we're, we're defeated. We don't walk in this battle as though we are uh, in some way uh, beat up, though we may feel beat up at times. We don't walk in this battle as though it's heavy, though it may feel heavy at times. But we walk in this battle by faith, knowing that Michael, Christ, Jesus is on the scene to lead the church of God into great liberty and to give her all the promises that lay in the Word of God. And, to, and we're living at the hour now. We've come to the fullness of time where the kingdom that Satan has set up upon the earth, it's time for it to be destroyed. Amen. Amen. Brother Branham says about Satan's kingdom in the, in the fourth seal, he says, Notice the Antichrist was on a pale horse, mixed color. A horse is a beast that represents a power. His power is all mixed up. Why, it's politics, it's national powers, it's religious powers, it's demon powers. It's all kinds of powers mixed together, a mixed pale horse. He's got all kinds of power. But when Jesus comes, it's on one solid colored horse, the Word. Amen. Amen. So those three powers united together, he says, are all mixed up in a color pale. Death spoke the whole thing. Political, religious, and demon powers mixed together. So we're living in the midst of a kingdom that is religious, political, and demon powers mixed together. Those are the works of the devil that the Word of God revealed in our day has come to destroy. But now I'll just say, it has not come to destroy necessarily this world system as we see it because the world system won't be fully destroyed until the end of the tribulation. We know that's in the process of falling apart, as I got a quote here from Brother Branham, but you know, I, I just want you to realize what we're looking for today is not really the outward crumbling of the kingdom, but what we're really looking for is the bride of Jesus Christ is a destruction of this kingdom's hold upon our minds. The Word of God has been revealed to break the political power to break the religious power, praise the Lord, we're not here just going to church, and also to break demonic power. That Christ is on the scene in these last days. The word has come in its fullness. We are in the second coming of Christ. Amen. This is not something that lays in the future. We are in the midst of the last day's events. How much time can it go on? I surely feel it can't go on much further. But it doesn't go by my feelings. It doesn't go by what I think. God knows when the last seed will come in. God knows how he's going to reach that last one. I was reading about uh, George Mueller and what he said. You know, he had this idea when in those ages, in the 1800s, when, when he felt like he had, he had a thought that, that the whole world could be saved. And so he labored in a missionary effort to save everybody. 
And that was his desire that everybody could be saved. But he says, then God revealed to me his second coming. And that it was only for the elect. He says, then it changed my attitude towards the way I did outreach. He didn't use the word outreach. That's my word. It changed my attitude in that he realized there's only so many that can be saved. He doesn't know, we don't know, but it entirely revolutionized his attitude and it also in this day should revolutionize our attitude that we realize in all the efforts of our travels and all the efforts of sending out the message and all the efforts of reaching out to people, it's not to save the world. We are not here to save the world, folks. We are here to destroy the works of the devil in the mind of the bride of Jesus Christ. For that reason, the message has come. Amen. We're living in a time where the, where the devil's hold on people's mind. Now, we're living in a, a terrible kingdom in which he knows. Let me talk a little bit more about his kingdom. Because he knows that the mind realm is the realm that he has to conquer, even in believers. If he can get you not to grasp who you really are. Because when you get the revelation of who you are, Amen. Then you really overcome the enemy. But he wants to stop that revelation. He wants to get you to disbelieve. He wants to hold some little doubt in your mind. He wants to, uh, he wants to hold it back by religious ideas. All right. Are you, are you okay this, this evening? He wants to put religious ideas upon you. Brother Brown talks about it in different places. And he talks about when Jesus prayed that they might be one father as you and I are one. He says, not some man to be over something, it'll never work. One denomination wants to take over the other, one man over the other, but that you may be one with God, like Christ and God was one. That's what his prayer is. But you see how Satan scruples it up in the carnal mind. He says, that wasn't Jesus' prayer at all, that we might all congregate together and have a certain creed and so forth. That wasn't what he was praying for. He was praying for a oneness between God and his people. Like Christ could say, when you've seen the Father, you've seen me. That we might also be a perfect reflection of the Father. So he says, he says every time they do that, the, the creeds and the, and the denominations, he says they go further and further from God. He wants us to be one with God. And God is his word. And each individual in his heart must be one with God. Not each church, not each minister, not each deacon, each individual must be one with God in their hearts. Completely surrender to God. Lord, I believe your word. Lord, I receive your message you have sent in this hour. People might think, what does that have to do with anything? The message is the revealing of the word of God in its fullness. It's not a bunch of books. But within the framework of the books of those messages, as I'll get to in a minute, within them lay certain things that God has predestinated to you individually. I'll just say it now. Remember, God is an infinite God. And he knew 60 years ago you would need something. Come on. He knew when he had a prophet speaking, a prophet that was yielded to him. When he was, how many times have these preachers stood and you say something and you don't know why you say it? But yet somebody says afterwards, that was just for me. 
right? I've seen, you've all experienced it many times because that's what preaching is all about. And when you, when you get into a channel and you say something, and, and sometimes you don't know why you say it, it was the thought of God that came into the mind of a man that the man spoke it because he recognized it as a thought of God. Then it's not the word of a man because it wasn't the thought of a man. It's now the word of God because it was the thought of God. And so that then is spoken. And there was a prophet 50, 60 years ago, more yielded than me. Sorry, but more yielded than these brothers. There's a prophet who we highly respect. And he will be in a service and he'll speak something because the infinite God, remember the infinite God, who knows all things, knows every flea, knows every moment of time, knows every mistake you'll make, knows what your future holds, knows what's going to happen tomorrow in your life. That infinite God inspires a prophet and records it on a tape so that it's written in a book. So he says, my daughter, my son is going to pick up that book and they're going to need that sentence right there. That's our God. It's not about a man. That's our God. He brought the revelation of it entirely down to this age. Why? Because he's he's destroying the works of the devil in your mind. And the devil wants to control your mind, young people. Listen now, and old people. The devil knows how he's he's brought his tactics to its climax in this age. It's not just an atmosphere anymore. It's now an app in your pocket. And, and, and something inspires you. I should, I should listen to a message because God knows in that message I put something there for you. But the devil knows that too. He says, oh, no, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't you listen to a message. Listen. You need to look on TikTok. That's really what you need to do because he wants to control your mind. Come on. Don't, don't pick up that book. Don't, don't, don't pick up that back. You really need to be on Facebook. That's really what you need to do. Oh, it's getting quiet in here now. But that's the devil. Because he knows the battle is in your mind. And he wants to control your mind with his thoughts. And he's got all of these avenues. And just because I didn't hit your favorite app, whether it be Twitter or, or Instagram or Michael, give me all the different apps. I don't know. Let's list them all tonight. I, I, I'm too old to know them all anymore. But, you know, it's all of these different things that the devil puts on your phone. Why is he putting them on your phone? He wants to control your thoughts. But God wants to destroy the works of the devil in your mind. I think Facebook is probably going to go right on into the tribulation. And Instagram's going to go right on into the tribulation. And YouTube is going to go right on into the tribulation. And Twitter and, and uh, what did I say, TikTok, and I don't know what they all are. All of these things are going to go right on to the tribulation. iPhones are going to go right on the tribulation. Samsungs are going to go right on into the tribulation. I doubt that Blackberries will make it that long. <laughs> But these things are going to carry right on. And people are going to be controlled. And the media is going to control their thoughts. And it's going to be political powers and religious powers 
and demonic powers. And it's all in their mind. And Brother Branham says the plagues will be poured out. And it's a mental plague. That'll be destroying their minds. And they'll be seeing things in their imaginations. Because why? Because the devil put it there by his means to throw a picture in their mind. And they'll think it's real. They'll think it's real. All right. The devil wants you to think things are real too that aren't real. I was looking at some of these things. Brother Brown talking about them. He says, 1954, he says, wicked, ungodly men denying God, denying the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, with all their wickedness and mischievousness and devices that Satan can push into their mind to destroy the world. All right? Now, he, Brother Brown, might have meant something in 1954, but he said something that applies to this day. All right? He goes into many different places. I'm just going to read a few of these, but I want you to catch how he says this. Because remember now, it's the devil wants you to believe something in your mind, even if you have the Holy Ghost. All right? Anybody not have a battle with the devil this week? Good. We're all on the same page then. Praise the Lord. Brother Brown says in one place, he says, this is 1954, he says, he's he's in a prayer line. He says, you have nervous trouble sitting there, don't you, lady? He says, only you have spells of nervousness that makes you feel like you're losing your mind. Satan sometimes tells you that you've crossed the line. You've practically been nervous all your life. And then he said, goes into more and talks about how that they, they had a scary experience as a little girl and so forth. And he says, I tell you in the name of Jesus Christ, you are healed. Amen. Now what is he doing? He's destroying the works of the devil. Amen. The message is Christ. And there are things laying in the message that you need to hear. I, I, I don't want to just talk about the nervousness part, but I just feel led to go through this just a little bit because he talks about 85%, I think it is, of the people suffer from nervousness. This is a nervous age, and you get nervous. And the reason you get nervous is because Satan is trying to tell you something that isn't true. We can go down the list. He's trying to tell you your children are lost. It's not true. He's trying to tell you you can't be healed. It's not true. He's trying to tell you that you're having this problem and you'll always have this problem. It's not true. You know, Brother Branham went through his entire life every seven years having a stomach problem. Is that right? From a young man, he developed that stomach problem and all the things. And He went to Mayo Clinic and he went to different things. And every seven years it would return. But finally at the end of his life, uh, in 1965, he wasn't that old. But it was the time God was going to take him off the earth. He saw the vision of the squirrel that had always jumped into his mouth and chewed up his stomach. Finally the squirrel missed his mouth and died on the cactus. Amen. It was over. Amen. 
One day it was over. Did it deter Brother Branham? Oh, I'm not going to serve God till this is over. I can't serve God in this kind of a condition. You know, I got this problem and God's not healing me. Did it deter Paul? When he sought the Lord three times and said, I sought the Lord that he would take this thing away from me. But he told me my, my, my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. Amen. And Paul says, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities. I might be the weakest preacher. I'm not talking about Paul now. I'm talking about me. That doesn't make no difference. I'll still serve him. The word of the hour has been revealed to me. I have no choice. I'm walking in a light that the world might not see, but it's a light to me. Hallelujah. Sometimes you don't know the battles that different ones go through. And I feel for other brothers that go through different things. It's not easy. But that doesn't deter us. We're here that he might destroy the works of the devil. Another place he says, little lady sitting there is bothered with nervous trouble. He says, you've been suffering with nervousness. Satan telling you and everything, you was going to lose your mind and things. Isn't that right? That's right, wave your hand. You were healed right then. <laughs> Praise be to God. Let me go a little further. I don't know why, just the Lord put this on my heart to read these tonight. He says, now here, this, what year is this, 1955. Now here's a dark streak coming from a woman to another one. What is it? It's a devil. Somebody say amen. amen. He knows his time has come. What's, what time is that? His kingdom will be destroyed. Amen. See, you see, Daniel saw, or Nebuchadnezzar saw it in a dream, and Daniel saw it in the interpretation of the dream. That the kingdom would come down of the devil from the head of gold to the shoulders of silver and the breastplate of blast and the legs of iron and, and feet of iron and clay and all that. But there would be a rock hewed out of the mountain. Yes. That's the word of God. That would smite the image in the feet and would cause the whole image to crumble. And listen, as much as we'd love to see this civilization crumble, more than that, I want to see all of the devil's lies crumble in our minds. Amen. We are here to prove this message will destroy every work of the devil. All right, dark streak. He says, you're extremely nervous, aren't you, lady? Just hysterically nervous. There's a statement for you. I see you're trying to do things, and you just can't. You're just nervous, mental nervous. Satan told you you're going to lose your mind if you don't get over it. But he lied to you. Hallelujah. Another one he says, 1959. That nervous condition is a mental nervousness, a thinking. Strange thought come to you. Everything. Get real nervous. That's right. Satan even telling you you're going to lose your mind, everything like that. But it's a lie. Amen. Amen. Maybe there's somebody here. Maybe there's somebody on the internet that needed to hear that. The devil's lying to you. You know, I remember when Brother Biscoe shared the testimony of the soldier boy in the service. It's on the tape on Dawson Creek. And how that, you know, Brother Branham called out in the middle of a, a nice sweet song. And he just cries out to the soldier boy. He says, the devil's lying to you, boy. What was the man's problem? Homosexual behavior. 
He said, the devil's lying to you. Hello? You're not a homosexual. God has set you free. Amen. It's just a demon lying to somebody. Maybe somebody will hear that in the days ahead. Get something out of that. So here in 1961, he says, Sister, of course, one of the great things wrong with you, we all know, but this is one thing. There's about 95% of the audience suffering with the same thing, a nervous condition. All right, so it was 95%. All right. If we would say that tonight, I'm not a good judge of numbers. I always underestimate. But we'll say this section here is 100 people. There's only five of you that don't have nervousness. According to Brother Bram's number. I'm not saying that's you, but that's what he's saying in a group this size. He say, there's only five of these people that aren't nervous. But it's the devil lying to you. He's trying to tell you things that are not true. And God sent his message to b- destroy the works of the devil. Amen? Amen. Reach out and claim it. You know, if it's for you tonight, just say, Lord, that's for me. I accept that tonight. I'm not going to allow the devil to make me nervous. I don't care if it's a little bit nervous or if it's a lot nervous. I don't care if it's just, you know, something you can't put a finger on or if it's the devil telling you you're going to lose your mind. It doesn't make no difference. It's a lie of the devil. Amen? He says... He says, you're real nervous? Let me show you how it's hard to call them. Everyone suffering with nervousness, raise up your hands out there. See, there you are. You've tried to find a place to start. They told you to get next to yourself. Satan told you you were going to lose your mind in all these things, but it's a lie. He says, you believe with all your heart? Then from right there, in the name of Jesus Christ, go and be well for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Destroying the works of the devil's kingdom. Religious power. Using religion to defeat the purpose of God. You know, he tried to come with, you know, when the devil came to Jesus to defeat Jesus, he, what did he quote? He quoted the Bible. The devil knows what religion is all about. He's the greatest sophist. He's the greatest orator that ever lived and he knows how to say things in a way that will cause you to stop and think about them you don't think there's stuff out there on the internet that are so well written so subtly written that'll bring doubt into the mind of someone that doesn't have the holy ghost and will even cause someone with the holy ghost to wonder about it but, you know, even as Brother Branham said, when he came to lo- losing his wife and, and losing his child and he walked away from the hospital and the devil came to him and says, well, he, 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 if that's the way he's going to treat you, he won't even hear your prayer. Why do you even serve him? What was it? It was the devil talking. Yeah. Hello? In his mind, he was sowing the thoughts. And, and, and Brother Branham said, I was about to say, well, if that's the way he is, I'm not going to serve him. Now, you don't think if Brother Branham went through that, that others won't go through that? It's not that he didn't have the Holy Ghost. 
But there was the devil that was trying to put a thought in his mind and then to get him to act upon a thought that sounded just about right. But down, he says, on the inside of the inside. There was something down in there that said, no, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Though he slay me, yet I'll serve him. Amen. God's prophet just stood there because there was something quickened on the inside. But that didn't stop the mind battles. No, he had to stand on the promise of the word of God. Now I want to get into my subject on righteous judgment, but we'll, we'll keep pushing that aside. Because a righteous judgment is just making, making a decision that is based on faith in the word of God. That's a righteous judgment. Uh, last time I spoke, I talked about at the end of the service, I wanted to add this in, I'll just drop it in now. I, I, I talked about how, you know, I believe that in the white throne judgment, if my mother is not a part of the bride, and she certainly gave every sign that she wasn't, but yet in the midst of all that, she was the one that fed me. She was the one that washed my clothes. She was the one that, that took care of me and all of those things. But now listen to this. I feel like she's going to be there but not because she's my mother. And I want you to catch this tonight because I feel like I didn't make it clear last time I said it because I got all emotional. You know, when it comes to mothers or children or whatever it is, we can get emotional. We're emotionally, humanly attached to them. If you can't put your finger on a promise, you have nothing to stand on. You cannot base it upon your emotion. But the word of God said, in that day, he'll say, because you gave me a glass of water, in so much that you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Not because you were my mother, but because you gave me a glass of water. Hallelujah. There's a promise laying in the word that I can hold on to and you can hold on to. It doesn't matter how emotional you are. You might be all emotional. It doesn't make no difference. Emotion doesn't move God. Faith moves God. And we are emotional. You've seen me. You know, I've teared up with the best of them. I've cried with the best of them. Maybe sometimes I haven't shouted with the best of them. I definitely haven't danced with the best of them. But, you know, we all have our own way of being emotional. But I base my entire life upon the promises of God's Word. And so can you tonight. Hallelujah. Better get back to this. I have just a few minutes left. The devil's kingdom. See, the devil likes to poison. Brother Brown says in Satan's Eden, he says a lot of good things in Satan's Eden. He says that on the days of Jesus, he did the same thing. He poisoned their minds by deceit, see, misinterpreting the word. He's pointing back to what happened in the Garden of Eden. And he says now in the time of Jesus also, he poisoned where? Their minds. By what? Misinterpreting the word. That's why Brother Brown says, we have the perfect interpretation of the word with divine vindication. Because yeah. this is the revelation that will destroy the works of the devil. Amen. You know, the devil is powerless if he doesn't have anybody to work on. That's why he still has power now. He still has lots of people to work on. 
But when we get into the millennium, that's why he's bound for a thousand years. Because there's nobody to work on. He's not bound with a chain, a physical chain. He's not thrown behind a door and the door locked and padlocked and all those kind of things. No, he's bound because the only ones in the millennium are believers. And so he's got nobody to work on. So he's completely powerless. As long as Adam and Eve stayed behind the word in the Garden of Eden, the devil was powerless. And so if you hold to the word of God in your thoughts, you take in his word, you live by his promises. As David said, you put the word of God always before you. It doesn't matter what circumstances, doesn't matter what the situation is, doesn't matter what the condition of your family is. And believe me, I know about those things. It doesn't matter how bad it looks. You just hold to the promise. You hold it right there. The devil is defeated. Amen. Doesn't matter what the symptoms look like. They're all lying vanities. Doesn't matter what the disease is. Come on. It doesn't matter what the physical problem is. Amen, Brother Steve. It doesn't matter anything about those things. The promise stands sure. Amen. God's word is true and I stand behind it. And it will never fail. And that will destroy the works of the devil. Because the devil will come to you in your mind and say, you know, but you've made a mistake. Brother Brown even talks about that. Abraham made a mistake and went down into Greer when God told him don't. And he went down there. And and the king took his wife and was going to marry her. God had told him don't do it. And he made a mistake. And God went to the king and said, you're a dead man. Because you have my prophet's wife. And if you want to be healed, your whole nation is gone unless you go and get that man, a backslidden man, to pray for you. He told a lie. He said, she's my sister. Come on, saints. Sometimes we think we got to live perfect before the promises are in effect. The promises are always in effect. The word of God is always yea and amen. If you've made some mistake, repent and put it under the blood. And walk by the promises of God's word. I hope this is okay tonight. This is just a Wednesday night. Some people call it down home cooking or whatever you want to call it. All right. So he misinterpreted the word. He misinterpreted it to Jesus. If thou be the son of God, now let me see you do something about it. Jesus didn't clown for him. He never did. God's not a clown. He don't have to answer to anything that Satan asks. He could have done it, but he'd have been listening to the devil. And he didn't have to listen to the devil. And you don't have to listen to the devil. Everybody say amen. Amen. We're all on the same page. You don't have to listen to the devil. It will come to you. Well, you're nothing. That doesn't make no difference. He's everything. I ain't listening to you. Well, you've done this and that and the other thing. That doesn't make no difference. His blood is more than sufficient to cover all my shortcomings and failures. All my mistakes. I'm standing on his promise, not upon my good works. I'm not getting in by my good works. I'm not going in by my strength. I'm not going to make it because I know something. It's all by his grace. And that by faith. Amen. It's the power of God breaking down destroying the works of the devil. Religious 
religious sin. Who's going to be, Brother Bram says, the most disappointed in Satan's Eden again? Who's going to be the most disappointed in, in the judgment? So it's not going to be the prostitute. He says, it's not going to be the gambler. It's not going to be the drunkard. It's not going to be the liar. It's not going to be the bootlegger. It's not going to be the thief. They know where they're going. Like the thief on the cross said, we deserve this. We're getting what we deserve, but he didn't deserve this. And he said, Lord, remember me when I come to your kingdom. But Brother Brown says, the one that will be disappointed is the one that says, Lord, have not I preached the gospel? Have not I cast out devils in thy name? And Jesus said, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Why did he say that to him? Brother Brown's connecting it to misinterpreting the word of God. Amen. And why, why does the person misinterpret the word of God? Because it's not the person, it's the devil that misinterprets the word to them. You see, just like in the Garden of Eden, yeah, God said that, but he didn't really mean that. What he meant was this. Changing the meaning of the word, dislocating, disconnecting, all of these things. And so as, as the word of God comes and you stand behind the word of God, just believe it as God reveals it to you. Amen. Don't try and explain it to the devil. You are not obligated to talk to the devil. And no matter how much you talk to the devil, he won't believe you anyway. So it's not worth your time. Amen. Just believe the word of God. Amen. Amen. A few minutes. He talks about political powers. Oh, that's a good one for this day. Political powers. What is political powers? Political powers to create the atmosphere of a culture to hold people from realizing who they are. Politics is laws. Politics is governments. Politics is rules. Politics is, is compromise. Politics is agreeing together. All those things is politics. And those kind of powers by political movement to try and get people to compromise, you know what? We'll leave you alone if you don't do this. Brother Branham, they tried to sway Brother Branham in his life now I'm, I'm really going to run out of time if I go down this road. But they tried to tell him, look, if you'll just compromise on that baptism, we'll get you into some big churches. If you'll just, you know, just, you know, if you tell us that the angel told you to do that baptism, then, you know, we'll accept that. It's a group of men, political, religious men. You know, we'll agree with you. And Brother Bram says, if an angel told me and it's not in the word of God, then I'm a false prophet. It's got to be based on the word of God. Amen. Political movements of the devil, demonic, outright perversion. And we're certainly living in a day like that. I don't need to go into those things. But the word of God was made flesh. Jesus said in John 18, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now, is not my, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Luke 17, the Pharisees were demanding him when the kingdom of God should come. See, they're still looking at it in that false mindset. And he says, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. It's not what you see on the outside. 
He says, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Amen. Amen. He come to set up his kingdom within us. See, the baby born in a manger was such a threat to Saul, or to to Herod, Saul, to Herod, because Herod thought, he's going to destroy my kingdom. Because his kingdom wasn't based on the word, his kingdom was based on political power. And so Christ came to destroy political power, and Herod might not have maybe outwardly recognized it, but there was something within him moving. I feel threatened now that this one is here. Let me tell you something. The devil in your life, and I'm not talking about being devil-possessed, but I'm talking about the devil of the 200,000 spiritual demons that are against you, those powers that work against you, they are threatened when you pick up the message. Because the message is Christ. And the message came to destroy their works. They think they got the world sewed up. They got all of their tools and weapons in array of how to control the mind of humanity. But there's something greater that has been sent into this age. There is a message that has been declared. There is a prophet that was yielded to the the power of the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God. And I I firmly believe this with all my heart, that that God knew you will pick up such and such a title on such and such a day. And within that message on page such and such and paragraph such and such, I spoke that specifically for you. Because I know at that time the devil's going to be working on your mind. But I came. In the volume of the book, lo, he has come. I came to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Just when the devil thinks he has, oh, he thought he had a hold of the lunatic of the gatherings, didn't he? He thought, oh, yeah, I got this guy, a thousand demons or whatever it was, and and just totally demon-possessed. Nobody could stop him, but the word came. The word was made flesh. And he went over there and the man fell down at his feet. That's what we need to do. We need to fall down at the feet of Jesus. We need to get our face into the word. We need to get a hold of God and just lay in there and say, Lord, you knew I would be here today. You knew I'd be in this trouble. You knew I'd have this battle. You know, I had this difficult. I was just praying that yesterday, as a matter of fact. Lord, you know exactly what the answer is for this situation. I don't have a clue. But I know you know. So help me, Lord. Show me, Lord. Hasn't answered me yet. But there's something laying somewhere that he's going to give me exactly the right direction of how to handle a certain situation. And God will be victorious. Amen. Amen. Brother Ram says, you believe the world is falling apart. This is falling apart of the world. He says, his systems are falling apart. Do you believe that? Do you believe the economic systems is falling apart? The political system is falling apart. The national UN system is falling apart. Of course it's falling apart. This is the message of the falling apart of the world. Amen. This is the hour. He's come to destroy the works of the devil. He says the church is falling apart. The denominations are falling apart. Everything is falling apart. But we have a kingdom that cannot be moved. Amen. Amen. He says it's an eternal kingdom of God. It cannot be moved. Now God's kingdom is not of this world. And when Christ was here, he gave us the program of his, this kingdom. He gave us the program of God's kingdom, the Father's kingdom, which is his word. And if you want to know how to get into that kingdom, 
This word has got it. Amen. And I'm out of time. Musicians, come. There's been too many times that I've picked up a message or turned on a message and something was said that was just exactly what I needed. And I got to thinking, God, you knew I'd be listening to this right now. Father, you knew I'd have need of this. You had your prophet speak these things because you knew I'd be here. You say, oh, Brother Tim, that's, that's, that's too... That's too Uh, big for me. No, that's our God. He's an infinite God. He is without limitation. Without limitation means you can think of him as going this far. You can think of him as being this big, but infinite means he's bigger than that. He's as big as all that our mind can think of, and then he goes further. Much further. That's the infinite infinite power of God. See, that's why Brother Bradham said in the token, we're not here to come together to talk about the message. We are come together to get in the message. And the message is Christ. He is the Word. That's right. We're to get into it, get beneath it. Yes, sir. That's what we're supposed to do. Listen, we need it now more than ever before. Don't miss the coming of the Lord in this day. He'll descend from heaven with a shout. What is a shout? It's a message to gather his people together in Jesus Christ. His only provided place of worship is in his name. And he gathers us together by the message that he sent in these last days. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. He brought this message to gather us together underneath it in this hour when he knew the death angel was going through the land. The pale horse rider, the kingdom, the fourth part of the kingdom of Satan, the final anointing and power of Satan riding through the earth and seeing all the evil things that you see. Oh, I just heard heard something the other day of something that's new. They say it's going to take the world by storm. And then I begin to look a little bit behind it. I thought, oh my, the devil is so devious. So devious. But I'm glad we have the antidote to everything the devil throws at us. In World Falling Apart, this is the final quote. Let's stand together. It says, we are dead Our lives are hid in God through Christ. Not only that, but we're raised with him. Raised up what? In a system, a denomination, organization. We are resurrected in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within you. All these man-made systems must fall. Not once more, or not once more, I'll shake the world, but I'll shake heaven's. And those things that cannot be shook is what will remain. And we receive a kingdom, receiving a kingdom that cannot be shook or moved. 
That's the kingdom of God. Not a system, not a political wheel, not a denomination, but a kingdom. Amen. And its subjects is dead to the systems of the world. Religious, political, demonic powers. He says, its subjects are dead to these organizations. It's dead to these political systems. And it's alive and resurrected by the power of the king. He says, now we're in a kingdom. I titled this message, Present in the Coming Kingdom. We're here now, though the kingdom is coming. Because the kingdom of God is within the born-again believer. He says, now we're in a kingdom setting in heavenly places with, eternal, with the eternal king enjoying eternal life by the eternal word, going to an eternal heaven forever to be with him. Living in the presence of the king. Oh, he says, I love him. I'm so glad to be one of them. I'm so glad to be dead in Christ and alive in the kingdom of God. This is not my home. We seek a kingdom. We seek the king. What were they looking for in Bethlehem? A king. What were they desiring? What were the shepherds, the wise men, the different ones desiring? What were they looking for in that day? A king. He says, we seek the king. We're already in the kingdom. We're seeking the king to come. And the king will quickly come into his kingdom. For we receive a kingdom that cannot be moved. I'm closing now. All these other things are falling apart. America's falling apart. Any Americans here? I hope you're more than Americans. You're Christians. You're in a different kingdom. Any Canadians here? Canada's falling apart. He says, America's falling apart. Europe is falling apart. Asia's falling apart. All the world's falling apart. But we are in a kingdom, an eternal kingdom. It cannot be moved. He says, where Christmas is every day. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> in this earthly kingdom, Christmas is once a year. But in our kingdom, Christmas is every day. That doesn't mean my wife can put her decorations up every day. Everybody likes to get a little bit of a feel for this time of year. That's this kingdom. The feelings I get is from the joy and the love and the peace and the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Those kind of atmospheres that come in this kingdom. It says where King Christmas is every day living in the presence of the king. The splendor of a king, if you would. The
adore. We're not here to adore some kind of worldly atmosphere or some kind of gift giving. It's all right. Give gifts. You want to give me a gift? I'm good with that. You know, you want to enjoy some decorations? Don't make them pagan. You know, whatever more. You want to wrap your gifts? I'm not sure how, how worldly or how carnal you want to think about me. That doesn't matter to me. I'm only here to adore him. I don't care about all those other things. Those are nice. And we have family times together and we enjoy our families. But if I can't adore him, everything else is meaningless. Without value altogether. Oh, In this kingdom, Lord, your prophet said it's Christmas every day. Adoring the matchless one. Worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's the shepherds coming in from the field every day. It's the wise men bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh every day, Lord. It's the reality of the meaning of those things every day. It's Simeon and Anna in the temple every day, Lord. We'll put ourselves in those places, oh God. And say, we are so thankful for all that you have done, oh God. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. And Lord, in this service tonight, you, as you're moving through the midst of your people, you see the needs, Father. Your word has gone to the needs. Now may the sons and the daughters of God stand upon the promise of the word of God and say, Lord, I don't stand in a worldly kingdom. I stand in the kingdom of heaven and I claim what's rightfully mine. I claim my healing. I claim my provision. I claim my peace. I claim my right mind. It's just the devil lying. I claim, Lord, every promise in the Word. 
You have given us the promises and your word can never fail. We're standing there tonight. These are the mighty gifts that you have given. We thank you for them, Lord. We give you, Lord, this service now. May you go with your children. As they go their way, may you take the word and break it down individually into each and every heart. May you edify and strengthen and build up. And Lord, may the works of the devil be destroyed. We claim it for your glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You give him all the glory. Oh, come let us adore.